0: Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Subscribe today at rainworldview.com.
1: You are listening to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from RAIN. We look into current global developments and emphasize their future trends and effects for you. Welcome aboard. I'm Emily Donahue. The world was shocked when Japan's former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated during an event. His death was more than shocking, though. It was the equivalent of a major seismic event for Japan's politics. Here with some details is Scott Cardis, Reign's Asia-Pacific analyst. Scott, it's always great to have you on the podcast.
0: Glad to be here, Emily.
1: Let's start by delving into the impact Abe's death will have on the Liberal Democratic Party's domestic and foreign political agendas.
0: Yeah, so we kind of already saw some of the immediate impacts, the Liberal Democratic Democratic Party or LDP took some extra seats in the in the July 10th upper house elections they were already slated to win a lot but they got 63 seats as opposed to the initial estimates of 60 so they were able to maybe get some sympathy votes or leverage uh, his death to help them in the polls and maybe con- uh, secure a few more seats While they're able to secure some of these seats, we're going to see them pushing their new majority and supermajority in the upper house to try and get through some legislation that they might not have been able to in in previous times. So, for example, we're going to see a lot of focus on COVID relief. We're going to see focus on uh, economic recovery and growth and fighting inflation and fighting the rising consumer prices in japan that are actually causing a lot of japanese people to struggle a lot of the consumers are struggling with the rising costs of fuel costs of energy the electricity is there's a lot of worries about power generation in japan right now and so we're going to see the ldp look to secure their agenda on how to solve these going forward domestically in regards to foreign policy the ldp will definitely be continuing abe's basically what abe started back when he was prime minister we're going to see uh, the LDP really pushing forward to to secure this Japanese remilitarization. They're going to be really leaning into their kind of re-engagement in the Pacific and the uh, Indo-Pacific, Pacific Islands. We see them making a lot of outreaches towards places like Australia uh, and and New Zealand even. We see them pushing forward and obviously out into NATO, which was a big surprise japan and south korea joining this nato summit so we're going to see a lot more of japan trying to take a bigger role in the world stage in geopolitics what that might hold it kind of depends on what they're able to do domestically uh with with how well they're able to fix their economy and how well they're able to uh keep their people of kind of fed and with power and happy
1: Let's talk about constitutional amendments. Um, has something been proposed? And if so, w- w- what does it mean?
0: Ah, yes. Um, what, one of the big things is, you know, everyone talks about this, this constitutional amendment. And, and the big question is, can Japan and will Japan finally either remove, amend, or reword, or, or something Article 9? Article 9 of Japan's constitution basically forbids them from going to war and using armed conflict as a means to settle international disputes for a long time this has been hailed as a kind of a big victory you know we the japanese would be saying we don't need to use force to settle disagreements now look at us we are settling disagreements with with words and, and with dialogue and diplomacy and to be honest the amendment of that is still very very unlikely while the LDP took the upper house of the supermajority, they don't have the lower house control yet. And I think is around 51% of Japan's population. They're only about 51% support amending or changing Article 9 right now. So even if they were to somehow pass a legislation in the lower house where they don't have the supermajority, they would still need the, to pass the, the popular referendum, which as it turns out as it is right now, they don't have the support to do that. What is more likely is some constitutional amendments regarding the acknowledgement of the Japanese Self-Defense Force. The Japanese don't have an army. They have a Japanese Self-Defense Force, which is kind of like the U.S. Coast Guard and the U.S. National Guard. They have perform very similar functions. They don't really go overseas. They're just meant for local, uh, local territorial security and helping out with humanitarian aspects in the region. What is very likely to happen is that the LDP will push for a constitutional amendment to recognize the Japanese Self-Defense Force and enshrine their role or their existence in the Constitution, thus letting the government recognize this group that is not in the Constitution now, but then they'll be able to then recognize it and give it broad powers or reinterpret how they can use that in lieu of uh, changing Article 9 right now. And even if they can't really do that, which is still like some of these amendments are still up in the air, especially with the lower house, we do have the potential for uh, uh, Fumio Kishida, the the current prime minister, he might try to recognize the Japanese self-defense force and use other legal means to enshrine their capabilities to kind of get around some of these constitutional amendment blocks, similar to how the U.S. president might issue a presidential or executive order in lieu of Congress making a decision.
1: So uh, briefly, Scott, can you tell me what other factors could limit LDP policy implementation?
0: Definitely. um, There is a lot of domestic pushback. Uh, We have to remember the LDP, while they are pretty popular, they are struggling with high consumer inflation. They are struggling with to fight back against the legacy of Japanese imperialism in the early 20th century, which still impacts domestic politics and policymaking today. And then going forward with that, you also have the the impacts of if they choose to try and amend their constitution, how does that impact their relationship with South Korea? They're really trying to fix this relationship. So maybe South Korea doesn't like Japan changing their constitution or or recognizing an armed forces, and they try to start to ease off this uh, renormalization of relations you have a big issue in japan that a lot of people discuss which is the population the population of japan is going to be one of the oldest populations in the world's very by 2050 more elderly people than young people the population is declining and the country isn't really putting forth any substantial ways to fix this and that's definitely going to impact all of the future looking policies going forward because how are they going to pay for some of these programs? If you have an expanded military, the money needs to come from somewhere. And with a shrinking labor force, how are you going to get the tax revenue to fund the military?
1: Wow, that's quite a conundrum. Scott Cardis is an Asia Pacific analyst with RAIN. You can read more on Abe's death and its impact on Japan's political future at RAIN Worldview. Right now, you can subscribe for just $1 for four weeks. You know it's worth that trial. Find out more at rainworldview.com. That's R A N E worldview.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and as always, thanks for listening.